Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Derek with the message. We're going to participate in a little community exercise here. You ready for this? Everybody close your eyes for a second. I'm not going to run by and smack you in the head or anything. Close your eyes. I want you to imagine for a minute that I'm making you an amazing steak. It's a nice, thick filet mignon wrapped in bacon. It's juicy. It's seared just perfectly on both sides. Oh, man, it's so good. It smells so good. You can smell it. It's just amazing. And right next to that is this hot baked potato with butter and sour cream and cheese. Bacon. You can never go wrong with bacon. There's a hot roll with butter. What else is on that plate? Somebody shout it out. What else is on the plate? Broccoli. That's two of you. It's so amazing. It's delicious, right? You can just you can taste it, right? Can you taste it? All right, open your eyes. All right, we're going to move on with the message from there. How many of you are angry with me right now? He's no longer some of you are going to like hosses afterwards. You're going to like, I have to have steak now, right? And you're a little upset. Some of you are a little upset. You're like, this is not fair. This is not nice. You shouldn't do this to me. You're upset because what I told you about wasn't completed by experiencing it, was it? You see that? Like, it's like everything in you, your mouth was watering and you were primed to eat a steak. And yet I let you down, didn't I? You know, I think we do this in Christian faith with the gospel. It's hilarious. It's so funny. I think we do this with the gospel. I think we do this a lot with the gospel. We tell people all about what the gospel is, what it's like, what it means. And then at the very end, we say, okay, open your eyes and go back to your life. And people don't get to experience it. It's an incomplete experience. You know that? Do you know that one? Do you have that sense inside of you of the, where you're, you're like, I was told of all these promises of the gospel and all these things, and yet my life doesn't look like that. The world doesn't look like that. And it's incomplete. Have you had that experience? I want to talk today about the show and tell of the gospel. I want to talk today about making the experience of the gospel complete. We began this series a few weeks ago called Breakthrough, uh, a a number of weeks ago, uh, and the purpose was to describe and to understand the kingdom of God. And what I told you in week one, if you remember, is that the kingdom of God is one of these sort of keystone foundational understandings, that if you get a hold of what the kingdom of God is... Christianity kind of pops open. It makes a whole lot of sense. If you understand the kingdom of God, you read the Gospels and you're like, well, Jesus says kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God all the time. And I now know what that means. It opens up your Christian faith in a way that nothing else, almost nothing else will. And so last week we looked at Matthew chapter 11. If you guys remember this, you remember uh, reading this. And, And John is in prison and he sends this message to Jesus and he says, 
Are you the one we were waiting for? Are you the Messiah that we were waiting for? Or was I wrong? And are we still waiting for someone else? And Jesus says this whenever he sends it back. He says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. Show and tell. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And what I said last week was these are the signs and wonders that Isaiah prophesied, if you read through Isaiah, that this is what will accompany the coming of the kingdom of God. This is what it will look like when the Messiah comes and God becomes king. That that's what it is to be the kingdom of God. God is in charge. God gets his way. And so what I want to do today is build on this, and I want to talk about the gospel as show and tell. The gospel as show and tell. Would you pray with me? And then we're going to look at scripture together. So Lord, I do just welcome you into this place to have your way. And God, I pray that you would speak your word through me, God. I pray that all of me would fade away and that you would be shown for who you truly are. God, would you give me grace to speak your words? Would you fill me with your spirit? I pray, God, that you would grant gifts of faith today. I pray where we struggle to believe, God, that you would bring a security and a sureness to the things uh, of the kingdom. Put power on this message, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, we're going to look at Luke chapter 9. If you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 9. And uh, those of you who are in midpoint, you will probably recognize this. It'll sound very, very, very familiar. A week and a half ago, we looked at Matthew chapter 10, which sounds very similar. Uh, you can also find another parallel account to this in Mark chapter 6. And uh, so, but we're going to read the Luke account, Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. And here's what we read. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. You know, if you read the first eight chapters of the book of Luke, you see Jesus doing all these miraculous things, right? He's healing the sick here. He's casting out demons there. He's raising the dead here. All these miraculous things. And he brings these guys, he invites these disciples along, and he says, and basically they play cloud, like crowd control, right? Have you ever noticed that? Like, if you read the first eight chapters of Luke, the disciples are just sort of like, what did that mean? Wow, couldn't believe you did that. And they just sort of have this sort of like goofy, like bystander role through the first eight chapters. And if what you understand, you know, we're, we're mostly comfortable with this, right? Aren't, aren't we comfortable with Jesus doing miraculous things? Anybody not comfortable with Jesus doing miraculous things, right? We're pretty comfortable with Jesus doing the miraculous. You know, he heals the sick, he casts out demons, he raises the dead. All those things, that's great. And we're comfortable with the disciples just watching, 
And the way we write that off in our culture is we say, well, Jesus is God incarnate. You know, Jesus is the Son of God, so of course he does miraculous things because God can do whatever he wants. And so we just sort of write that off. But if that's the way we understand the miraculous things that Jesus does, when we get to chapter 9, it will blow up our brains. Because we get to chapter 9, and I don't know if you, have you guys paid attention to the kind of guys that Jesus like hangs out with? Have you ever watched that? Like, these are the kind of guys that like, they're fishing and they're like, or stealing or like, you know, the tax collector whole thing, right? These are like, not like the, this is not like the cream of the crop, right? They're not hanging out at like the, the big social encounters, you know, the big ball. These are like the guys that they bleep out half the words they say, right? So Jesus is hanging out with these guys and we're comfortable with these yahoos just wandering around behind Jesus watching him do miracles. And then in chapter 9 he says, now you do it. And if what we think is the case with the miraculous is that, well, Jesus is God, so he does it, but it will blow up our brains when we get to chapter 9. And what happens in chapter 9 is Jesus says, I give you power and authority to heal the sick, to cast out demons, raise the dead, and to proclaim the kingdom. This is what he, like, he gives power and authority to these guys that probably shouldn't have power and authority. And it will make our head spin just a little bit. But here's the thing. We start into chapter 9, and, the, and now we're forced to like go, well, okay, the reason that all that stuff happened was because it was God, but you know, now he's got these guys, and I wouldn't let them like, you know, mow my lawn, and now they're doing this stuff. And we, can't, we have to get even goofier with our explanations about what happens, right? So now we go, okay, hold on. These are special guys, the 12 that are special. They're special people, you know, because they were hanging out with Jesus. And so, of course, they had to like, Jesus let them do it because they were special. And, and you're like, yeah, that's what it is. Jesus heals people, so do these special guys, but nobody else, right? But if you go to the very next chapter, just take a glance. If you have your Bible open, look at chapter 10. The very next chapter, Jesus hands off authority to 72 people who don't even get names. And he says the same thing, heal the sick, proclaim the kingdom of God. These guys don't even get names. And our head will be spinning if what we think is the reason the miraculous happens in the gospels is because Jesus is God, so clearly he can do it. Because there seems to be this ever increasing sort of like, you know, this sort of like wedge of people that God just sort of lets do these things. And I wonder how we make sense of what's happening here. The problem is, is it comes from a misunderstanding of what the Gospels are teaching. It comes from a misunderstanding. I want to show you a parallel that will help us to understand what exactly the Gospels are teaching about the kingdom of God. I want to look at these uh, as, as side by side as I can. I didn't put them on the screen this way, so I apologize. Look at verse 2 and verse 6. We just read them. Verse 2 says this, And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Everybody okay with that? He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and heal the sick. Verse 6, So they set out, went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. There's a parallel here. And Luke equates the good news 
or the gospel with the kingdom of God. Do you see that? He just sort of like uses them interchangeably. The gospel and the kingdom of God are the same thing. And the thing that we need to understand is that the word they use, Luke uses there at the, in verse 6 is actually the words we usually translate to evangelize. So this, this word that we get in here is this, this idea that uh, the disciples are sent to proclaim the gospel, which is to proclaim the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? We said the first week, it's the right of God to rule in any situation. The kingdom of God is where God gets his way. Anywhere God gets his way, we say the kingdom of God has come. And of course, you watch Jesus, and what does Jesus do? Everywhere he goes, he just sort of puts his hands out, and God gets his way, right? Everywhere he goes, he's like healed, delivered, right? You just see this, like demons just go flying out. Everywhere Jesus goes, the kingdom of God shows up. The kingdom of God breaks in. That's why the, the series we're calling it is, is Breakthrough. The kingdom of God breaks through into the present evil age, and so what we see is, is that God is becoming king. The parallel here, though, helps us understand something. Often we think of what the gospel is. We think the gospel is Jesus died for your sins so that you can be forgiven and go to heaven when you die. This is what we think the gospel is. And here's the problem. It's a shortened version. We've cut off all the other stuff. We've said this is all it is. It's just you have been forgiven so you can go to heaven when you die. Now, don't mishear me. That's the front door. The front door into the kingdom is always forgiveness as offered by Jesus through the death of Jesus on the cross. That's always the way in. But if we see it as just this, Jesus died so I can go to heaven, we're missing a whole lot of stuff. And the rest of the stuff doesn't make sense to us. Which is why... Jesus sent them to proclaim the gospel and heal the sick. If you've never thought about this before, the heal the sick just seems like an unnecessary attachment, right? If, all it's, if it, the whole thing is just about getting you forgiven so that you can go to heaven when you die, if that's the, the whole of the gospel, why does Jesus tell them to go heal the sick? It doesn't make any sense. Why does Jesus tell them to raise the dead? Have you ever thought about that? Like, how cruel is it, right? Somebody dies, they're, they, you know, they're saved, they go to be with Jesus, and we're like, no! <laughs> I say to you, get up! I'm going to raise you from... The how cruel is that? Have you ever thought about that? There's something else at play here, and if all we understand the gospel to be is you're saved to go to heaven, the rest of the gospels make no sense. Jesus is just sort of adding things on to be adding things on. But here's the thing. What I've told you is that the kingdom of God is the right of God to rule and reign. And what I said in the first week of this series is that what's happening is the kingdom of God, the rule of God, is invading this present evil age. You remember that? If you don't remember that, it's on the podcast. Did you know we have a podcast? If I can get off on this side trip. Come on, you guys got an extra hour of sleep. Um, but I said that, that the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign is invading the kingdom of Satan, invading the kingdom of darkness, and is overturning what darkness has done. Do you remember that? And in the kingdom of darkness, I said we shouldn't be surprised that we see death and destruction and sickness, right? COVID is not a surprise when the kingdom of Satan is in the rule, right? 
It's no surprise. This is what Satan does. But the kingdom of God is breaking into the kingdom of Satan and is overtaking and undoing the works of the kingdom. And so what we understand is the invasion of the kingdom of God into enemy territory involves undoing the works of the enemy, right? So sickness, death, destruction, demonization, brokenness, right? All of these things are the work of the enemy. And so when Jesus shows up and says, the kingdom of God has come, it's not enough just to say that God is now king, right? It's not enough just to say, well, God is king somewhere. In the same way, it's not enough for me to just say, it's a steak and a baked potato, right? You're like, well, hold on, prove it. And so Jesus comes, and this is why over and over and over, Jesus heals the sick. Why? Why does Jesus heal the sick? Because he's undoing the works of the enemy. There's a new king in town whose nature is healing. And so healing happens because the kingdom of God comes. Why does Jesus go around casting out demons? Because when a new king comes in town, the old king's minions can't hang around. And so when the kingdom of God comes in a place, the demons have to go. Have you ever been part of doing that? Have you ever been a part of a deliverance? There's just so much power because the kingdom of God evicts the old tenant, kicks him out, and things change. The kingdom of God has come. This is why Jesus goes around raising the dead because when the king of life comes... Life takes residence and life springs up. That's what's happening. The kingdom of God is invading the present evil age. So when Jesus in chapter 9 says, you guys go do this, when Jesus invites the disciples along, he's not saying, join my new religion called Christianity. Get baptized, it's fun. You like getting in water? That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, the revolution has begun, the kingdom of God is invading this present evil age, come join the revolution. That's the invitation to following Jesus is, come join the revolution as we undo the works of the enemy. And so what Jesus does is he gives power and authority to do the works he's been doing. This is why the gospel is show and tell. It has to be show and tell unless you guys are satisfied with me not handing you a steak and a baked potato. Does that make sense? You tracking? So every subsequent generation of disciples gets given this very same power and authority. We have joined the revolution. We've been handed the power and authority to participate in the kingdom of God advancing into the kingdom of darkness. That's what's happening until, as the song says, one day, the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. That at one point, Jesus will return and all things will be made new again. But we participate until that day. Think about how crazy it is that we wouldn't participate in this. Let's think about this for a minute. Imagine for a second, you don't have to close your eyes. I've scared you away from closing your eyes forever. Imagine for a minute you join the U.S. military. Anybody in the military? Anybody in the military here? Nobody. Okay, sorry. Um, imagine for a minute you join the U.S. military. And you go to boot camp, and they, you know, they train you up, and they say, all right, you're going to the front lines. But you don't get any guns. You don't get any armor. No helmet for you. Would you go? 
Well, no, 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 don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's, it's, it's not important that you have this stuff. You just have to believe that we once upon a time had guns. That's all. It's just, it's just you know, we, 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 give, we give the guns and the equipment to the really special soldiers, the, one who have, the ones who have been really faithful a really long time. That's who gets the guns. But you, you know, if you prove yourself, you stay alive for a little while, maybe. Or, or you know, we, we just, you know, back in the day, all you have to believe is that back in the day, George Washington had guns. The U.S. military used to shoot guns. And we just have to believe that it was done before. And now that we have the history books that tell us about George Washington, it's good enough. We don't need to actually have the guns. You, you would be like, this is insane, right? And you'd probably laugh and go, this is, this is kind of nonsensical, Derek. What, what are you talking But we do this with our Christianity, don't we? We all know we're in the midst of a battle. We all know that the kingdom of darkness is waging war. And yet we're happy to lay down the weapons or pretend like we never needed them. And we can't understand why we don't overtake the kingdom of darkness. You've been given weapons. What I want you to understand is that the gospel is show and tell. That you've been handed weapons for a reason. If you're a follower of Jesus... You have been delegated authority by Jesus to participate in this stuff. And so far as the Holy Spirit empowers you, the expectation is that you will. You got to pay attention to that, right? Remember I said the Holy Spirit never leave home without him? The Holy Spirit is the power as far as he empowers you to make this happen. Don't miss that. Like we can't do, have you ever tried to pray for or tried to heal anybody? Have you ever tried to convert anybody on your own? No? You ever try to heal somebody on your own? Jerry has. You ever, you ever try to like bring a mental heal? Like, I, I mean, you ever done this on your own? It doesn't work. Right? It doesn't work. Unless the Holy Spirit provides you power, it doesn't work. But the gospel is show and tell. So how does this work? You know, there's one place in the gospels or, or in Acts where Jesus doesn't, you know, we all love to like be sent and we're going to go and make disciples and, you know, I'm going to send you out. And there's one place where Jesus says, wait. There's one place where Jesus says, wait. Acts chapter one, here's what he says. It says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, this is Jesus, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I told you last week, the disciples still didn't get it. Verse 6 says, Then they gathered around him and said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That word is dunamis. It's the same word that in chapter 9, Jesus says you get authority and dunamis, power. You get the ability to actually do this stuff. And Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Why does all this matter? I've been talking for a really long time. Why does all this matter? Maybe you're like I was. I gave my life to Jesus 
And then people started talking about the gospel being show and tell. And I was a skeptic. I was very skeptical about this idea that we do the things that Jesus did. I didn't want to be tricked. I didn't want anybody to pull the wool over my eyes. And yet, I knew, as a follower of Jesus, I had this responsibility to share the gospel. We have this responsibility to share the gospel. But if you're like me, I was terrified at the prospect of sharing the gospel with people. Anybody honest? You're terrified to share the gospel with people. Why? Well, for me, I, I can I think deeply, but I don't think quickly. And so the, the idea that I would go share my faith with somebody and they're going to argue with me was terrifying. Because I don't have the answers. And if you give me long enough, I can think of the answers and I probably will have a pretty good argument. But usually, if you've ever argued with somebody about things like this, it goes pretty quick. And I didn't want to be, like, beaten, right? Like, oh, I don't want to show off wrong, you know, and Jesus loses because I'm an idiot. Right? Because we know Jesus wins, but yet I can't argue fast enough, and so the other guys will win. And I'm terrified of this idea. And so... I, I didn't know what to do because I couldn't argue with people in real time. But what I discovered is that if God would show up in power, if the Holy Spirit would show up and move in power, often I had a right then to talk about Jesus with somebody and they wouldn't even argue with me. If you've never seen this happen, it's astounding. And it was a freeing thought to me that I didn't have to do it. That the Holy Spirit would show up, that God would do something, and after I participated with what God did, I have the right then to talk about Jesus. I'll share a story with you. That was uh, the very first time I ever, God ever spoke a word to me that I was aware was like a word for someone else. And I was new to this whole thing. I didn't know what I thought about it. I was the skeptic at the vineyard that was looking up every reference like, you guys aren't going to trick me, crazy people, talking about God speaking to people. And so I, but I had this real sense inside of me that God had spoken this word, but I didn't know who it was for. And I didn't, I, you know, I don't know how this works. Do you just tell everybody and hope somebody figures it out? I didn't know what to do with it. But I knew that God had given this to me. Like, you know, in your nowhere, right? Like deep down, you're like, it kind of burns in your stomach a little bit. It's not acid reflux. You know what I mean? And so a few days later, I'm like sitting on this word. Jerry and I went to, uh, to eat that night. And I was like, I don't know what to do with this. You know, I'm new to this thing. A few days later, I'm flying with this guy. He starts talking to me. And I, and I know this guy. I've flown with him before. And he's a little bit intimidating. You know, one of these guys that's like, well, answer me this and answer me that, and I can't answer you that. Um, but he starts talking about his life. And all of a sudden, deep down, I had this burning like burden to like, this, has, this word is for this guy. So I'm like, hey, <laughs> this is going to sound really crazy, but I think God told me something for you. And he's like, I mean, that, that's enough to go, either you're crazy or maybe this is a thing, right? So I share this word with this guy, and he just comes apart. And now I'm like, it worked! <laughs> it's a thing! And I started talking with this guy about Jesus, and he didn't argue with me. 
And all of a sudden, I had demonstrated and then talked about the kingdom in a way that I thought was never possible. For years, I got to talk about faith with this guy. He still, on, on social media, is very antagonistic. But he would have conversations with me that were not harsh about faith because God broke in in power. The kingdom was shown to him so that we could talk about it. Do you see what I'm talking about here? If you're afraid to talk to people about your faith, it may be that you need to demonstrate what it is before you talk about it. I'll tell you this much. If you ever pray for someone to get healed and it happens, their ear is yours. Because that doesn't happen, right? You don't just show up at sheets and all of a sudden I can walk now and I couldn't walk before. That'll get your attention. If you ever pray for someone to get healed and they get healed, you'll get to talk about Jesus. Even if you try, even if you're hearing, let me just give you, like somebody comes to you and they're like, you know, I'm really struggling in my marriage. We're, I don't know if we're going to make it. Or, you know, my kids, they're off the rails. I don't know. You know, my semester, my, you know, my work is just falling apart. And people t tell you about the things in their lives that are not working well, right? People do that. If you'll pray for that person in the moment, not later, not say, I'll pray for you sometime, but if you say, you know, I believe God can intervene in your situation, can I pray for you right now? I have found that that's enough to open people to the, you get to talk about Jesus with people. Sometimes people are like, oh, I don't believe all that. And you say, oh, that's okay, I do. And I say, okay. I have had very, you know, the only people who have really rejected me to pray for them are Christians. Everybody's out in the world looking for some hope. The only people who have ever told me, no, I don't need prayer are Christians. When I say to someone who doesn't know Jesus, hey, I believe that Jesus might intervene in your situation and I would love to pray for you. Sometimes they go, well, I don't believe that. And I just say, that's okay, I do. And so I, they'll let me pray for them. And you get to talk about, you may not get to like, you know, preach a three-point sermon at them, but you at least get to say, I believe Jesus does this stuff. I can talk about the kingdom and I demonstrate the kingdom. Do you see what I'm saying? The kingdom of God is show and tell. And it may be that if you cooperate with the Holy Spirit, you'll get to talk more about the kingdom in ways that you never thought you would. It's show and tell. Maybe, instead of beginning with the telling, maybe we start with the showing. You know the, the beautiful thing about doing things like that, demonstrating the kingdom, is that you don't have to make it happen. You know, like, that should be like a freeing thought to you, that the Holy Spirit, Jesus has given you authority and the Holy Spirit gives you power to do these things, and yet... It's not up to you. All you do is you say, God, what are you doing in this moment? Is there a way I can cooperate with you? God, is there somebody in here that you want me to talk to? Is there somebody in here you want me to pray for? And you pray for opportunities with people, right? Some of you have people in your workplaces right now that you know need Jesus. Some of you have family members that are so far off the rails. You know, like if they could only get Jesus, but they'll never listen to me. 
Some of you know people like this. And the thing you do is you pray, God, is there a way that I can participate with you? Because God's already at work. You don't have to make this happen. And then you just respond. Every week when we get to the end here and I have you guys stand up and I, you know, all that stuff, I'm not like sort of like fishing for words. Like, I'm not like, I mean, we're not like casting a line and hoping it works. I'm just sort of, God, what are you doing in the moment? And I try. I just share something that I think God is saying. If you did that in your everyday life, you will get more opportunities to talk about Jesus. And people won't even argue with you mostly. Maybe you're not somebody who is afraid of talking about the gospel of the kingdom, but maybe you're somebody who faithfully talks about Jesus with people. Maybe you're somebody that tells people all the time, you need Jesus, you need to get, you know, you need to get saved, whatever, and you don't see a lot of effect. Can I maybe offer you a suggestion? Maybe it is that you need to demonstrate before you talk. Maybe it is that you need to demonstrate before you talk. I want to read this. This is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians, and I think it's beautiful, and I'll wrap up with this thought. 1 Corinthians 2, Paul says this, verse 3, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. I identify with that one wholeheartedly. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. You don't want people to follow Jesus because you had a good argument. You want people to follow Jesus because they're thoroughly convinced that he is who he says he is. And here's the thing. If we want to see our city, our region transformed, it's not just one or two of us around here that do this. It's that we go to work and we say, God, what are you doing? Can you imagine what it would look like? I mean, I don't know how many people are in this room. I don't count that well. I had to take off my shoes to get close. That was a joke. Two of you got it. There's ten fingers, ten toes. Yeah. Carry the one, you know. Can you imagine the impact if every last one of us went to work, went to school, went to our families and said, God, what are you doing in this moment? And we didn't have to come up with anything miraculous. We just, the Spirit of God said, you know, what if you just offered to pray for that thing? And you say, hey, this sounds crazy, but can I pray for that? We might find that the city gets transformed just because we were obedient. Because the fact of the matter is, we don't make any of this happen. You can't make it happen. The Holy Spirit makes it happen. I think we could see Revival happened in our city if we were just obedient to the Holy Spirit. What do you think? Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.